Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. An extra special episode today as you join Re and Laura, hosts of Coffee Talk, talking with me. Of course, this episode is going to be a little longer because Coffee Talk normally goes between 30 to 60 minutes. And I think we talked for almost the full amount of time, almost 60 minutes. It was a great conversation with Ree and Laura. They do such a wonderful job hosting Coffee Talk. And we thought we'd bring it to you um, in the form of a podcast this week so that you get the opportunity if you didn't catch it live. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this very special episode of Coffee Talk with Ree, Laura and me. And good morning, friends. Happy Monday. It's Coffee Talk time. Coffee Talk is brought to you by the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, also known as IDARE. We are a group of studio owners from around the world who are passionate about what we do, always striving to be better at what we do and always supporting each other through the journey. If you'd like to learn more about IDEA, check it out at ideadance.org. Thank you for being with us today. This is my co-host, Laura Giacomelli Hankowski. How are you, Miss Laura? I'm wonderful, Bree. How are you today? I am in a good mood. I always like Coffee Talk, Jay. Same. Me too. It starts my and, week off right. Um, hanging out with Stacy Morgan mm-hmm. uh, is going to be fun. Stacy is the voice of the podcast that we do for the Regal Company. And I'm uh, just excited for her to be with us today. Same. She's like an incredible entrepreneur that like I said wears so many hats so I'm very excited to dive deep in with her and you know get to know her and have all of our listeners get to know her as well awesome Stacy Morgan welcome to coffee talk coming to us live from Australia tell everybody what time it is my friend good morning everybody it's 3 11 a.m my alarm went off at 2 45 what a way to start the day. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. And thank you for being here in the middle of the night, Stacey. We appreciate it. <laughs> I know you were talking before, Laura, about juggling all the things and being able to not be at the competition, be able to put your summer schedule out, do all of the things at the same time. And mm-hmm. um, I was thinking as you were talking, like, yeah, that, you know, that's what ju- studio owners are juggling all the time, trying to get things done. Um, lucky I can get up at three o'clock in the morning and do half of my work. <laughs> I don't do this all the time. Trust me, I do love my sleep. But yeah, it's nice to be here, even though it is very, very early for me. I'm more than happy to get up early and chat with you guys. Well, we I want to ask you a quick question. Will you will you go to sleep after this or will you stay up and go to work? No, no, I'll absolutely go to sleep. Absolutely. Perfect. Good for you. <laughs> so, Stacy, for those in our audience who may not, well, wait, everybody. For those of you that listen to the podcast, the Regold's Dance Life podcast, this is the voice of the person who keeps that podcast going and lively and the conversation. So 
intriguing. It's Stacey Morgan. <laughs> Can I say, the podcast didn't exist. I had to hustle and hustle and hustle. Ray, year after year, I'd go to the conference and I'd I'd accost him in in the stair like in the stairwell or in the corridor and say, "Ray, you need a podcast," and he'd say, "Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Email me." Um, and then we'd go back and, we'd go back and forth, and he'd be like, "What's a podcast?" <laughs> and then the next year, I'd say, "Ray, hi, Stacy from Australia again. Yeah, you need a podcast." <laughs> And here we are all these years later and you do have a podcast and it is fabulous fun. So I'm glad we got it done eventually. Stacey, that that started my new year with, with listening to your podcast on January 1st. I walked, I I was up the mountains with my, my parents' house and I walked around for an hour and listened to the podcast and like got my brain ready to like start the new year in the studio. And I love that. Love. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. I love that too. I love doing it with you. I love the conversations. It's easy flow. Mm-hmm. And uh, know how much I appreciate you. Um, I'm going to tell the audience something else that you did talk me into the podcast. She taught me how to use Zoom before the pandemic. Oh. I was afraid to use it. I used to bring two people from my office into the room with me, one to get me on and one to sit there in case something went wrong. Mm -hmm. Then I started teaching Zoom to dance teachers not too long Mm -hmm. after, so I wouldn't have been able to do that. And you were the one who inspired the Gold Alliance. I'm so glad you gave me credit for the Zoom, Ray, because I tell everybody that that it was Regal didn't know Zoom before the pandemic. And then he had to talk to this Australian all the time. And we did it via Zoom. And no one was using Zoom at the time. I mean, we were, because we're all on this side of the country, on this side of the world. So a lot of Australians were using it. But you guys weren't so familiar with it. And then it became something that we all became familiar with and we're all using all the time. So thanks for the credit, Ray. I appreciate that. Okay, so tell us, uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. I want to say welcome to Candace. Go ahead, Miss Stace. So I'm Stacey Morgan, and I am the mum of three and the owner of four businesses. Two of those are dance studios. My dream when I was younger was always to run a dance studio. My dance teacher was the most the most influential person in my life. Uh, she was the person that really gave me permission to be myself. She gave me permission to, um, I was always quirky. I wasn't, I didn't always fit in. I was always kind of on the outer. And she was the person that said that that is a good thing. That is okay. And so whether I was at the dance studio, you know, being my quirky self or at school, um, she was the person whose um, voice was in the back of my mind saying, just be you, just be you and and everything will be okay. And so she really inspired me. Um, I'm from a really small country town um, here in Australia. And so a lot of a lot of people that I grew up with didn't have dance in their life and they didn't um, necessarily have a mentor like mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to have. So I really felt like she inspired me to, to think that I could do anything and I could be anyone and that I could travel and see the world and um, – create a bigger life for myself than perhaps my peers from our from our little country town could imagine for themselves. So when I finished my dancing 
journey when I was growing up. I went and danced professionally. That was um, a deal that I struck with my parents that I was um, able to go. If I could go and dance professionally, then I promised them I would, when I was done with that, go to university and, and study. And so um, I, I did both of those things. I got to go and dance professionally and then I got to go to university. I did a Bachelor of Education and a Bachelor of Dance. Um, and that took me to, um, to to secondary school, to high school. I was a high school dance teacher for a number of years. And But what I really loved was behind the scenes. What I really loved was ballet. I was a big ballet bunhead when it came to my, my passion and my love. And I used to, my ballet teacher used to take us to Sydney, which was six hours on the train. We would catch the midnight train. Um and like Gladys Knight, we'd catch the midnight uh-huh. train, we'd go to the big city, she'd take me to see the, the matinee of the Australian ballet and I'd come home so inspired. But the most inspiring part of that, of that journey for me was that before the ballet, she would um, take us backstage. So she had connections in the ballet company um, where we could, we could get down to Sydney you know, knock on the knock on the stage door, and then we would get to go and watch class, or we'd get to go and watch rehearsal. We'd get to watch the dancers warm up, perhaps um, you know, all getting together backstage, and that for me was so eye opening. And as part of that journey, I met Colin Peasley, and Colin Peasley was the education manager at the Australian Ballet, and it was his job to put together a program of events that took people backstage. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So when I was a high school dance teacher, the Royal New Zealand Ballet, which is you know across the ditch in New Zealand, were advertising for that particular role, the education manager. And I thought to myself, that is my dream job. Imagine if I could get that. And I was like 23 at the time. And, you know, fresh out of university and, you know, when you're 23 and you know everything and you're like, I could take on the world, let's do this. So I applied for this job and I got it. So I moved to New Zealand, moved countries, got to create my own education program, a national program for dance. I got to increase um, dance from um, when I joined, the ballet company was doing outreach to about 3,000 New Zealanders. By the time I left, we were doing it to 83 New Zealanders. So people from New Zealand who had never experienced dance, never experienced ballet, um, were able to come behind the scenes at their national ballet company, see a production, um, be immersed in in the art form and um, and get to experience that for the first time. And I'm really proud of that. Um, little journey I had yeah. and in those four years that I was in New Zealand I met my husband not in New Zealand I met him home here I came home for a, um, we we both came home for a mutual friend's wedding and we met here in Port Macquarie and then um, he said to me I'll call you and I said mate I live in New Zealand like don't even don't even worry about it <laughs> like in another country but he did he called me the next day and he's called me every day since and so the rest is history we eventually we eventually moved home and when I got home um I started I I was really done with ballet and with dance I I was all dance my I danced my entire you know existence and so I really wanted a break and um I had loved radio in my early days, um, when I was at university, my, my college job was working at the local radio station. I was the, you know, I used to drive the car around and give out icy cold Coca-Cola and copies of magazines at the beach um, during the summer holidays. I was, you know, the freebies girl. 
And so when I came home, they they happened to be looking for a breakfast radio announcer. And so I started my career in radio, which is why I can now produce podcasts and now, you know, love audio as a medium because I did breakfast radio for a number of years. So I did. I didn't know about any of that. Really? I didn't know about any of that, that you're on, (laughs) like, no idea. So why you run a podcast and all of your, like, online training so well makes complete sense now. I'm like, God, she's so good at all of this. It's so clean, the transitions, but like the intros, I'm like, yep, that makes sense. Cool. 100%. So I was on the radio and I did that for about a year without any dance in my life. And I had come home, my dance school that I'd grown up at was sold to somebody else. So my dance teacher had, you know, passed on her legacy. She'd kind of moved out of the, the industry um, and I just didn't do any dance. I just concentrated on getting up at four o'clock in the morning and going and talking about the Kardashians and what was going on and like, just like Katy Perry's latest fling and all of the things that you have to talk about when you're on breakfast radio. And at the end of that year, I really, I would really missed ballet. I just had this twinge I was planning my wedding so I was kind of preoccupied but after the wedding after the big show (laughs) after my recital (laughs) I was like oh I just miss ballet and I said Heath and I went out to dinner one night and I said what if I just started a little ballet studio like not I don't want to compete with everybody in town everybody's doing a great job of, of things in town but how about if I just started my own little ballet studio I'll do it in our garage and I'll do it in the afternoon so I'll be at the radio in the morning and then on a Tuesday and Thursday afternoon I'll just have I'll just start with the babies because I don't want to poach anyone else's students or you know go for kids who are already dancing they can all stay at their dance schools but any kids who are new and growing up they can come to my garage and we can do some plies and I'll feel filled up because I'll be doing ballet again and um we might earn some extra money like an extra 50 bucks a week or something it could be cool (laughs) And my husband was like, well, that sounds great, 50 bucks. Okay, yeah, let's do that. So I put an ad in the paper because that's what we did back in the day. This was before Facebook or before anything like that. And it, and it was just me and I just used all the words that I wanted my dance school to be. I wanted it to be a nurturing place. I wanted them to have a passion for dance. I wanted them to um, to, to be able to use their bodies, to be able to um, develop their brains. And I had 70 kids turn up on the first day. And I was like, we can't do this in the garage. We're going to need a space. <laughs> and so that what summer. Casey, had, that's incredible. Yeah, it was That's I crazy. mean, that takes people like, that's like year two, year three numbers. Yeah. Like day one. Wow. Well, the, the newspaper ran a beautiful story about, you know, um, hometown girl comes home from the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Like it, it, it was done. I knew what I was doing. (laughs) My husband, my husband doesn't know that. He still thinks that I thought, oh, 70 kids. But I was like, yeah, 70 kids. Um, And so that was like, that was registration day. And so we needed to find a space. So that summer, like everyone I knew, all my family, friends, everyone kind of came together. We cleared out a space. We laid a floor. We put up walls. We hung curtains. It was, it was one of those, you know, running on passion and I was still at the radio so I'm still working from 4am to 11am and then building a studio in the afternoon ready to start classes on the 19th of January and because that's how our season works with the year and it was it was a crazy crazy time by the time we opened so 
like there was a couple of weeks between registration day and our first day. We had over a hundred kids by the time the doors opened and the rest is history. Port Macquarie Performing Arts was born and it just grew and it grew and it continues to grow. I did the, I what kept. What year was that, Stacey? That was what, 2011. Sorry, what year was that? 2011. 2011. And I continued the, at the radio from 4am till 11am, I would go home, I would have a sleep until 2pm, I'd get up, I'd go to the studio, I'd teach from 3 till 9, I'd go home, I'd do the invoices, I'd do the marketing, I'd do, answer the parents' awful emails, like do all of that, go to sleep, get up at 4am, do it again. And I did that for a year and a half before... I said, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I am going crazy. And so I had to leave the radio, which really broke my heart because I'd never, um, like I never thought that I would ha- be able to forge a career in radio and I was doing really well. And my, my, my superiors were saying, we want you to go for this job. And we want, like they had said, they saw my career trajectory in radio. And I had to say to them, I, I can't leave town because of course to to get to move up in radio you have to move to big cities and Mm -hmm. I I couldn't do that and I really wanted to do that I'm I'm very ambitious so when they were kind of having these conversations I was like yes I want that but but this this new baby of mine was born this Port Macquarie Performing Arts and I wanted to grow it and nurture it as well so I said I can't leave town I have to be here my business is here and um, eventually doing both at the same time was just too much um, mm-hmm. and Heath and I wanted to have a baby and, um, it turns out you need to see each other, um, at least. It's funny how like, that works. That's, yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. where it starts. But we just didn't see each other at all. We would go Monday through Thursday, I think, without even seeing each other because I would be asleep by the time he got home. I would be going to work by the time he got up. It just didn't mm-hmm. happen. So, um, it was really hard. <laughs> for us to start a family not ever seeing each other so yeah it wasn't a sustainable lifestyle but what happened was I left the radio I built the ballet school I've had three beautiful children since and um, I've also purchased another studio so that's keeping me busy how far away is your that was the studio that you purchased was an already pre-established studio but how far away is that from your current location it's 35 minutes from door to door and and in the schedule I, this year I've given myself 30 minutes to get from one place to the other because I'm a crazy person and every Monday I can't make it. <laughs> so I have a teacher wait with my class as I'm like running in from the car park to, to yeah. teach my next class. We'll just do the plie, you'll start with the tondus. Correct, all. <laughs> correct. And I just slide on in like I was there the whole time. Okay, guys, yep, next exercise, change the music, off we go. So I'm really lucky. I have an incredible team. Speaking of team, I have an incredible team. Um, they're made up of teachers who taught me um, and who still live in the area and teachers, um, people I danced with who have come back to teach with me and teachers that we've grown during um, this is our 13th, 14th season, teachers that we've grown along the way. So I have I have a beautiful, beautiful team of very smart, very switched on, very invested in the success of my business team. And I think part of that is is that culture that we've built within the school that we've, yeah. whilst we do competitions, we've never been super competitive we've always been about the students about the students individual needs and that's what I said with my studio that I you know wanted to start in the garage we will 
we will treat every child with them that with their individual needs at, at you know as our um as our primary focus our primary focus won't be how many rhinestones is on that costume it will be how can we tailor our class to suit your learning needs to suit the way that you your brain develops the way that you are um best working in the studio and where you're at mentally physically emotionally spiritually as a person um and mm. so my team is really on board with that ethos and um I can't do all the things that I do and wear all the hats that I wear without um, them. They're incredible. And Stacey, I have to agree with you when it comes to like, this is the first, so I opened up in 2011 as well. So we're finally at that point where I have some alumni. Um, I don't have alumni teaching for me. I have a lot of them in my office um, because they're in college and they can pop in on a Tuesday night or a Friday night and help run the office. And um, it's just so nice because they, like when I have someone come in and say, like, what's this whole competition company about? Mm-hmm. And then I have a girl who's been on company for years and she says, this is what I got out of it. It's like, wow. Like, Beautiful. and they're, and they're like, how, when's auditions? You know what I mean? They, they, they grew up in it. So like their description is like a firsthand account of what it was like, what they got out of these classes, how it helped, like you're saying, shape them as a person and help them grow. Um, and then also this year I have the most teachers on staff who myself, I grew up dancing with Mm -hmm. and coming from, even if we weren't the same studio, we were just like in the same high school musicals or we grew up together and we all danced in the same city and like having them at my studio, I feel this, like they understand my mission. They understand my mentality because Mm -hmm. they know me on a personal level. And so when they get that handbook at the beginning of the season, they say, these are the things that I want to accomplish this year. This is how I want to make the kids feel. This mm-hmm. is how there's like, well, yeah, because this is Laura. So yeah. this makes sense. Like, you know, you know what I mean? So it's like, there's a different sense of pride also because they're invested in it as well. So yes. it's just, I don't know. I, I agree with you because it's a different vibe. When, it is. When your staff knows you for sure. And you don't have sure. to explain what, like, how we behave you don't have to explain how we do things because they get it they know what happens in the classroom whether they're at the front desk or whether they're actually in the classroom they uh, they understand the process so it makes it so much easier I'm so Mm -hmm. like I'm so glad that you are able to do that now Laura and you're in a position where you have these people these gems coming in because what better people to talk about your business and to talk up your business than people that have experienced your business hundred percent. And also take care of my business. When there are situations where I have yes. to step away, my mother-in-law was very sick in the past. She was on hospice for the past couple of weeks and being able to like step, I literally just sent one text. I can't be there. And it was like, I got the morning, I got the afternoon, I got this, bye. And I was just like, wow. And I, I posted on the Go to Lions page. I'm like, if that would have happened five years ago, then it'd been like, what? Laura's not, what? Do we even open up the doors? Like, <laughs> Shut it down. You know? <laughs> Who's going to send the email? How do we send an email? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like it would have been that. And, and, and I think 100% of that is also me though. It's me yes. being able to give them the empowerment to be like, I got this. I have a key. I have the email access. I have, you know what I mean? Like it was also me understanding that I have to like, let go of some of that rain because when the emergencies happen if no one knows how to do anything how are they going to feel empowered to step up to help 
Yeah. You know, it's like they, they don't know how to help. They don't know how to do it. So that's like that transition. And Stacey, I learned that from you, you know, like <laughs> I've been in the golden lines. I know Reese said you were like the, the one who was like, I had this idea and being in, being in the golden lines in the past four years has like helped me get to where I am. So it's like, I truly was like, when Stacey's going to be on, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk about Stacey. Like I can't <laughs> wait to talk to her and talk about her. Cause it's been life-changing for me for sure. I love that. Thanks, Laura. Whoa! I I just want to s- just you guys to hear me because I could just step away and let you two have this conversation. <laughs> That's a great talk. I want to say one thing though: it's leadership and delegation. Once you accept that you're leading, not hoping they can accomplish this, but figuring out how they accomplish it communicating you are a leader who is a delegator which means that in most cases uh what's terry's rule 80 20 yeah terry's the queen yes she is 80 20 is getting done without worries. And I want to say something about 80 20. Once they're with you for a long time, that 80 goes to 90. Correct. That 90 goes to 95. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Rhea, I have an example of that. I was going through, like I said, a lot with my mother-in-law and the girls were leaving for competition. And I always have a, a powwow with Brittany every Wednesday. And Wednesday's meeting did not happen because of things that were personally going on. Um, and I texted her Friday morning. I went, oh my God, don't forget you need to do backup music. She goes, done, first aid kit, done, da, 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 da. Like she went down the checklist that I didn't even give her. It was a checklist from last year. And she just knew it because we, we it was a part of the process. It was what we, it was what we drilled for the whole year. She did it every single competition last year. So I did not have to, I, I was the one who dropped the ball, you know? And she's like, I got it go be, go be at home. I got it. And I was just like, wow, like you even, you even have the backup music. Like you really, <laughs> you figured, you figured it all out. Cause usually I'm the one hands under the stick and being like, here you go. But she just knew she's like, Laura's got a lot going on and she just made it happen. But it's, it's getting those processes in place because it's, and like you said, it's delegating, but it's also delegating them in a way that they, they understand why things get done. And there's a system and they are able to just follow that system when you hand that piece of paper to them. And in the same and- way that we, sorry, Ray. No, <laughs> in the same way that we um, empower our students in the classroom to be able to learn new mm-hmm. things and do new things as leaders, we do the same thing for our team. So you've obviously empowered her to be able to step into that role as competition director. You've given her the tools that she needs in the same way that we teach the kids how to do a shuffle ball change. You've given her all the tools that she needs. And so I think so much of leadership is not um, necessarily stepping up and being the leader, but being able to step back and empower others to be able to step up into their roles. And obviously you're doing that because she just gave you a beautiful example of being able to do that. And some leaders can't, some leaders feel like, they have to resend the checklist and and look over their shoulder and double check and um oh you've done the backup music we'll send it to me just so I can double check it before you go but you yeah. haven't done that you've stepped away and said mm-hmm. you've got this I trust you off you go and that's a that's a beautiful part of leadership yeah 
So, Stacy, I had a question about 12 miles back. It's probably <laughs> that I wanted to ask. It's funny to me, but I want to ask, were you on the radio in Port Macquarie? I was. Like, so do you think that people knew you? Not that your, your dance training or whatever wasn't there, but was the radio personality part of it part of what you think made you successful in the beginning? And did you drop your name? Because I would have made sure I worked it in there. Absolutely. They all listen to you uh, every well, morning. They do. And I was really, really particular about mm-hmm. not crossing the two. Um, so I didn't get on the radio and be like, well, this afternoon I'm going to my dance studio. Come on down. My number is 555. No, I didn't. I didn't mention it at all, especially in the early days. I didn't want there to be any conflict of interest. I didn't want to mm-hmm. feel like it was pay for play or it, like I just was really um, in the, in the later years. So, you know, towards the end I would often um, tell stories because a lot of radio is telling stories. You tell a funny story and then you invite callers to call in and to share their funny stories. And so a lot of my funny stories came from the dance studio because that's where I was spending all my time. <laughs> and um, that's, you know, I was doing that so much. So in the later years, it was like that. I would tell stories, funny stories about things that kids did in the studio and people could put two and two together. I never drew the the lines for them to connect the two, but they, if they went and Googled me, they were, that was fine. However, when I was advertising in the newspaper in those early days, Absolutely, I said Stacey Morgan. I didn't say Stacey Morgan from Star FM. I just said Stacey Morgan. And because I was coming home to my hometown, um, a lot of people, like like all country towns, I'm sure it's exactly the same on your side of the world, but a lot of people grow up in their country town and they think, I cannot wait to leave. They leave for a few years, they come home, they get married, they start a family. So a lot of the community already knew me. Um, a lot of the community knew my ethos, my ethos, my integrity, my um, way of doing things. And so I think that was, I also think it was a really interesting time because I moved away when dance wasn't so big in my community, but then dance mums mm. happened. And even though it was on your side of the world, it very much happened on our side of the world. And when I came home, everyone was all of a sudden really competitive and really feisty and really kind of every, like the comp- the competition that used to be just this, you know, little country of Stedford um, was all of a sudden like make or break, do or die, like really intense. And so I, I went, I, I was like, well, where do people go to dance who just want to dance that don't want all of that? So I made sure that all of my advertising really spoke to what made me different. It spoke to why, why we weren't like that, why we were like this instead and, and that nurturing aspect. And I think people were looking for that at the time, which I knew. And so I really mm-hmm. capitalised on that. And I think that's why a lot of people paired, paired with the, you know, also with the, the, the radio stuff, um, if they didn't know me already, then they knew me from that. So there was a, no, there was a certain no like, and trust, re that we work so hard for in business that people already had because every morning they listened to what I had for breakfast and for, you know, what was going on in my life and what the Kardashians were doing. <laughs> and um, they, they already felt like I was part of their life and 
they were listening to me in the car and it all kind of came together. I think it's a, I, I love your story, the whole, the whole journey and being on the radio and that being a part of it. Um, I'm sure it's influenced you along the way in so many ways. Um, I want to ask you this. As you're coaching and going through this where dance is at, what do you think are some of the toughest struggles studio owners are going through now and what suggestions can you offer? Ooh, so, that should take care of the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, Ray. <laughs> so I'm I, all here, Stacey. Lay yeah. it on us. <laughs> I guess to, to draw the line between, okay, now she's left the radio and she has this dance studio that she's growing. Um, I wanted to make, I wanted to give my little dance studio the 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 corporate experience that I experienced when I was working for the ballet company. Um, I didn't want us to be just a little, you know, small business, just a little dance studio. I wanted us to be an empire. I wanted us to be the real deal. And so from day one, I was doing professional development with my team and I was always upskilling them and I was going to conferences and I was seeking out new information because I wanted our marketing to be great. I wanted our sales funnel to be great. I wanted our customer service to be great. I wanted us to be a unique experience. And so in doing that, um, the business grew and then I started to become quite successful in, in winning a lot of business awards for the business itself. And when that started to happen, my husband said to me, one day you'll coach people on how to run their businesses. And I said to him, mm. I'm just a ballet teacher. I'm not, I'm not doing that. However, <laughs> he was exactly right because as it started to progress, people started to ask me for um, for help and for advice. And I started off in a very informal mentoring capacity um, because I had a great mentor. I have a great mentor um, who I have been um, seeing for, for years now. Um, her name's Glenda Hamilton. And she took me on in my second year of the studio when I was really drowning, when I was doing that 4am until 9pm situation, she took me on and... Um, and she's been with me ever since. And so I started doing that informally. And I had a little Instagram handle called the Not So Together Mum because I was I would see all of these very together, put together business owners who had children and um, yet still managed to, you know, dress their children in matching clothes. And and I was the not so I was not so together. I didn't have it all together, but I was a mum and I was doing my best and um, so that was my Instagram handle and I have um, a gorgeous friend, Tanae Sanders, you both know Tanae and Tanae owns the strategy studio and I reached out to mm-hmm. her one day and I said, how do I make this brand that I'm building, this this messy mum of three who's trying to get it all done brand, how do I bring that into the knowledge that I have about business and how do I help other mothers who are in business be able to put all of that together. And so she's really helped me over the last five years create the Simply Stacey Morgan brand, which is my coaching brand. And so now I'm busier doing my business coaching and running my group programs and running my mastermind um, than I ever have been um, teaching in the studio. But I have a beautiful balance where I'm able to do both. Um, And so I talk to a lot of studio owners. I talk to a lot of business owners um, 
primarily about this juggle. How do we do all the things that we want to do? How do we maintain our ambition? How do we continue to um, nurture our family whilst also trying to grow our business? And so the main challenge that I see dance studio owners and small business owners have is how do we how do we have it all because we're taught from Mm. a very young age that we can have it all you can have it all you can be whoever you want to be you can do whatever you want to do but I think no one tells us when when we're being told that rhetoric that whilst we can do all of that we can't do it at the same time and we need to find Mm. ways to be able to decompartmentalize the different aspects of our life because when there's crossover between the different hats that we wear that's when things get really hard so Laura you probably know this feeling as a mum and as a teacher sometimes there's no choice but your children have to come to the studio with you and in those moments when you're trying to teach but you also have a child and I've gone through all the three stages with my children like they've been in the rocker on the ground whilst I'm teaching ballet they've been on my hip they've been you know I've been piggybacking them I've been carrying them I've been you know they've been running laps around the studio whilst I'm teaching and it's in those moments that I go, I can't do all this. I can't do it. This is crazy. But when I'm at home with my kids, looking after them, doing their homework and the studio's running on its own, or when my kids are at home doing their homework with their dad and I'm at the studio teaching, when those two things are separate, the world is great. Everything's, everything works well. So I guess I really work with studio owners now, Reed, to be able to help them draw a line, set really clear boundaries. Okay, I'm teaching at this time and I'm mumming at this time. I'm committing to going to two competitions a year and not all of the others and really help them um, put those boundaries in place to make sure that they can do all the things that they've been promised, do all the things that they want to do. A lot of people start their own studio because they want flexibility of time and, and be able yes. to go to their kids' soccer games and be able to go to the reading groups at school. But what ends up happening is we end up doing absolutely everything and we can't do anything we want to do because we're working all the time. So I guess I really work with business owners to help them um, figure out what it is they really want, what really matters to them most and how they can do more of that whilst also giving, you know, having the ability to have the time, money and energy to make all of that happen. And Stacey, I think a prime example of that was when you, me, Re, and Terry had a meeting and it was when I was pregnant. I want to say it was spring, summer of 2020. So COVID was raging and we're all figuring stuff out. Or no, it was like July, August because things started opening up here. We all had a meeting And I didn't release my fall schedule at that point because I didn't know what fall was going to look like. Was Mm -hmm. I allowed to have kids in my building? Could I have four? Could I have 40? I had no idea. So I was so pregnant. I was like (laughs) seven months pregnant on this call with you guys. And I remember saying, I'm probably just not going to take a maternity leave. I'm probably just going to go in and just teach like four days a week. And I remember you went like this close to the screen and you were like, you are absolutely not teaching you, we will figure it out. And I was just like, what? I will fly. I will get on a plane before you will teach that class. (laughs) And you were like, we're going to, you're like, this is what you worked for for 10 years, Laura. Mm -hmm. You, you've been setting yourself up for 10 years to be able to only teach one day during when you had your child to have an eight week maternity leave. Like we can still make that happen. And I'm so thankful because if I wasn't in Gold Alliance, 
I know I would have thrown myself all over that schedule. I would have worked myself to the bone. I would have missed every moment with Cole. And like that, that tears at my heart because the reason why I started that business when I was 25 is because I wanted when I was 35, when I had my first child to have those moments with him. That's why I gave up family events and going to baby showers and, you know, missing out on all these things because I put in that time. And I was like, but now it's my time. Mm-hmm. I'm not missing those moments with him. And you were just like, you just reminded me, you're like, nope, this, if we need to talk again, we're going to figure it out. And I remember just felt so empowered in that moment. And I was just like, Laura, like it's COVID. And I understand things are crazy, but like, you still have a life plan and odds are like, I'm probably going to have coal and, th- and that's it. I honestly don't think I would have another child biologically. So I'm like, you're not going to miss this. Mm-hmm. This is a one and done. The studio will be there before, during, and after him. This is a one run. So you're, you're not, you're not willing to miss this as a mom. So we're going to figure it out. And I just, I remember it's like you, I needed to hear that from someone who was like in it and living it to be like, no, you're, you're still going to be on the same train. You don't have to derail yet. And I was just like, and looking back, I'm like, God, it was so crazy being a new mom and being during COVID and running a small business and trying to thrive and survive. And, you know, and and I just, I, I look back and I'm like, thank God I was in the Gold Alliance. Thank God I had incredible mentors. Thank God I had incredible people within the Gold Alliance that helped me get through and idea members who helped me get through, you know, and, and now we're just, you know, the studio is booming and I have great people there, but I mean, I really, I'm, I'm a product firsthand of you guys, of what having great mentors is, you know, and I, I'm incredibly thankful for that. And so was Cole because Cole had me, you know, Cole didn't ha- and Cole had a really good version of me that I'm very, very thankful for that. I, I want to say, I re- want to jump in real fast and say, Do you know how cool it is to be listening to the two of you talk about it's okay to take care of your kids? It's okay to to dedicate your time because it's it's a shift. Women 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I think it was prove that you can work prove that that you're going to be a success and sometimes in in that effort we let go of things we'd say okay I can't be the mom who goes to basketball Mm. I can't be that now to absolutely understand that it's okay and that it's not the end of the world or that you can get yourself organized enough so you can do that. Mm-hmm. I wish my mother could have heard that 40 years ago. Mm. And and can I say, Ray, I very much felt that pressure when I had Lucinda and she's turning 10 next week. And it's o- the only reason I could get close to the camera and say to Laura, absolutely not is because I felt that pressure to do it all, be it all. And I remember saying these, I remember saying to parents this sentence, nothing will change. Absolutely nothing will change at the studio. Crazy. Now, I think mental, that's just crazy. 
And so because I didn't do it the way that I wished that I'd done it, I'm now mm-hmm. able to advise others on what not to do. And that's what I was doing for Laura, like getting close to the camera and saying, absolutely not, you're not going to miss this, is because I missed it. Um, and because I I really struggled through that time. And as I had, you know, I was okay with Lucinda. I was a bit better with Patrick and I was even better with Henry. But in those early days, I did try and do it all and I did try and be everything to everybody. And what I didn't realise and didn't really think about was that my entire target market were mothers. They all got it. They all understood. And the two or three whingers that were always going to whinge no matter what, um, they end up mm-hmm. leaving anyway. Exactly. Eventually, as they exactly. all as they all do. So I didn't need to worry mm-hmm. about them and their opinions. I needed to stick with and be true to myself, which perhaps mm-hmm. I didn't do when I had Lucinda. So I was more than happy to um, to champion Laura and you know and other members of the Gold Alliance and other business um, people that I often have people come to me when they're pregnant and say, okay, so I'm having this baby and I've got my business and I just wanted to get your advice on how I like how I do this and I now stand so strong and so firm in the, okay, let's, let's create a plan. Let's figure out how we're going to do this because you're not going to miss this. Yeah. And I mean, I went teaching from four days down to one. I handed over all my company stuff. Yeah. I was doing so much, so much. I was teaching like 16, 17 dance classes a week. And I remember saying to you, which classes do you want to teach? And you were like, well, I I do this and I do that and I have to do this and I did it. I was like, Laura, what classes do you want to teach? If you got to choose, (laughs) which ones do you want to teach? And you're like, I don't understand the question. (laughs) (laughs) But you got got there in the end. Want and have to. Yeah. have a big difference mm. yeah yeah or even feel like you have to right it's a big way it's like really you you don't necessarily you don't have to teach any of the classes if you don't want to mm-hmm. i am at a point right now where i still enjoy teaching i love getting on the floor with those three-year-olds and showing them how much i love dance and then it sparks a flame in them i love that i love teaching my senior company girls i love that they're at a level where it's like teaching an adult company and I can do whatever I want with them. They, my wildest choreography, they're like, yep, in one take or two, Miss Laura, you know? And it's just like, wow, like that's incredible. I also love teaching those little first year company kids. So like I, I sprinkle a little bit on Monday night. I sprinkle a little bit on my, my Saturdays, but yeah, yeah, there's no more five days a week. I bet you're a better teacher for those classes than you would have been if you were teaching all the classes, all the days. I'm the same. The the select few classes that I get to teach now, I am on fire. I'm my best employee for those five hours. You can't get a better teacher than me, but that wasn't always the case when I was trying to teach. And I remember trying to teach and feed Lucinda at the same time. And I'm yelling at the girl about turning out a supporting leg in, in the fuetes. And I'm also feeding my child who's really distressed. And it was in that moment that I had this really like come to Jesus, like, what is your life? <laughs> what are yeah. you doing? And, you know, Lucinda's fine. And Larissa, who was the child who wasn't turning out a supporting leg in her fuete turns, is also fine. Um, she's gone on to have a fabulous career and is now at university studying meat distribution or something crazy um and everyone is fine and it all worked out but at the time I was like I can't possibly 
do anything other than do everything at the same time right now. And that was so, so crazy to me. So I really love working with um, other business owners who are, who are juggling all the things to give them just a, just another voice, just another voice to the voice in their mind that's saying, I have to do this. I think I have to do this. I, of course I have to be there to be able to say, Mm -hmm. well, maybe you don't. What classes do you want to teach or what do you want to do in your business and what can we delegate to somebody else? Well, as someone who has taken all of your teaching, Stacey, and, and as, has applied as many as I can and will continue, just know it's drastically changed my life for sure in the better. Like truly. How cool is that? And I'm like, Yeah, but really, really, Stacey. So I really appreciate that. That's why I was like, I'm so excited to talk to Stacey. It's like you, Re and Terry. It's like the studio wouldn't be what it is. My dance studio, like my life wouldn't be what it would be like. I feel very, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are like, you know, times where I'm like, oh my God, I have 120 emails that I haven't gotten to yet, but it's okay. The summer schedule's out. Can I just say, you know, the, I want to say that we're winding down. (laughs) I'm just throwing that in. Yes, we are winding down. Wait, can I make a joke? Because this is great. It's the truth. I feel like I'm in a self-driving car. I'm just sitting back and watching you two drive this whole show. I love listening to it. It's been a great coffee talk. But we are winding down. But go ahead, give me some final, final thoughts of wisdom. I said, we usually go 35 to 40, but we could go over. We're headed into the one hour mark now. Go ahead. Um, I wanted to say, no matter what path people choose for motherhood, that's the right journey for them. So I don't mean to say any of this. You need to do it this way. It has to be this way. You should only be teaching five classes. It doesn't have to be that way for everybody. And I and I have no judgment for people who didn't do it that way and who it wasn't that case for um, because we are all doing the very best that we can with the tools at our disposal at the time that we do it. And yes, Laura, you're in the Gold Alliance and so you were lucky enough to have extra voices yeah. as part of that conversation for you. But you you would have done a great job even if you weren't doing the very best you can. It would have been a different journey, but everybody's journey is unique and, and, and I respect the choices that everybody makes when it comes to that because it's a really difficult juggle. It's a really hard time. And I was only saying to a, um, a coaching client yesterday, they don't run a dance studio, but they have their own small business. And she was like, this sucks. This is hard. And I said, you're doing it right. Because if it sucks and it's hard, then it, well done. I think sometimes running our own studios, we get told that, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be your dream come true. It's going to be your, you know, your 12 year old self's wildest dream. And yes, it can be all of that, but it also is really hard at times. It is really mm-hmm. challenging. And when you're trying to juggle all of the things, sometimes when it is hard, you feel like, well, maybe I'm not meant to be doing this. Maybe this is not for me. And I want to just make the point of saying, if it's hard, then you're doing it right. If sometimes it, it, it all feels too much, keep going because that you're on the right track. If it was all easy, you wouldn't be having the impact that you're having now. And so if, if there's anyone watching, anyone listening and thinking, oh, I've got to go to the studio again today and I've got to face that parent and I've got to return that email and I've got to – then you, you're doing it well and you're doing a good job and keep going. And the, the best thing for me, Laura, in – 
getting from where I was with Lucinda through to where I am now. Henry's just turned five and he's my youngest. Um, the best delegating tool, the best thing that I can say to people is get yourself an assistant, but not an assistant at work. Get yourself an assistant at home. Mm-hmm. And that may sound bougie and you would be like, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You are in charge of your resources and where you put your resources. And the best money I've spent is in resourcing my home. I bought myself a wife, essentially, that gets my groceries and that brings my bread and milk home, that, you know, mm-hmm. grabs my kids from school if I can't make it, that, um, you know, puts my washing out. She doesn't put my washing out, but I put it in her job description just in case one day I needed her to do that. <laughs> and she doesn't. <laughs> but I, I have that support at home. And I have a great team in my business as well. But what I found was in order to be my best self, um, I needed help at home. I needed, I needed, my husband works full time. He has his own business. I needed that extra support at home. And so now on a Monday, I turn, you know, I, I come home from the studio. There's fruit in the fruit bowl. There's vegetables in the fridge. There's milk in um, the fridge and there's bread in the pantry. And then I can go, okay, kids, I'm mum's getting dinner ready. And I'm not the, oh, what are we going to eat for dinner? Crazy person that I was before. Mm-hmm. So um, I want people to know that asking for help is not, a bad thing that sometimes this is challenging and if you can get yourself the resources if you can put um put money and time and energy into the resource of getting help in all areas of your life all of this becomes a lot easier that tighten a bow for you Ray. that tightened a bow this was awesome we'll do it again we'll make it a series oh fabulous <laughs> um Thank you, Stacey. Yes, I appreciate you. you. I appreciate your energy, your passion. Can I finish with one little story, Ray, that I, I thought of earlier, <laughs> but I just, I have to tell you this. When I worked at the Royal New Zealand Ballet, so I was in New Zealand, different country, way out of my comfort zone. The office phone rang one day and I don't normally answer the phone. The person at the front desk answers the phone, but no one was answering the phone and I picked up the phone and it was Karen Malik. And Karen Malik was the head of the Australian Teachers of Dancing and she was Australian, so I recognised her accent. Um, and, I, and she was like, you're Australian too, and we started to chat. And she said to me as part of this, what ended up being an hour-long conversation, do you know who Regold is? And I was like, No. I don't. And she said, well, he is this fantastic speaker and I'm bringing him out to Australia for the first time and it's going to be life-changing and you have to be there. And I was like, I live in New Zealand, like not even in the country. And she was like, do whatever you can to make sure you are there. And I wasn't able to be there because I lived in New Zealand um, and we had a tour at the time. But the following year, we stayed connected and I said, when's this re-gold, this re, this re-gold coming back? And she said, next year. And I said, I'll be there. And that was the first time we met. And all of those years later, here we are. It's crazy. What's, I love that and appreciate that story. I remember going to Australia that first time and thinking, what if they don't think like us? <laughs> what if they, they do this different than us? Am I going to like like be off with their culture. And then when we were all done, an older woman, she had a cane, came up to me and she said, how do you know so much about us? 
Mm. Beautiful. You're like, I'm living the same life just across the across yes. the oceans. <laughs> wow. Okay, that was worth hanging on a little while longer for. I love that, Stacy. <laughs> and uh, the Australian Teachers of Dance was the group, right? Correct. Correct. Hello to all of you out there. Thanks for having me. And uh, you are responsible for Stacy Morgan Regal. <laughs> A partnership. Okay, guys. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Stacy. We'll see you in two weeks. Have a great day, everybody, and enjoy the journey. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 